coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. So one of the biggest mistakes that I see that can actually be detrimental to your business is when people reach out to me and say, I want to do a press release and I dig, why do you want to do a press release? What's the news? Like, what really is your news? And so many companies think, well, I exist. Mm -hmm. Reporter will write about me. I exist. And that could not be further than the truth because if a reporter wrote about everyone that existed, you know, there's not really any story. Yeah. So really digging down, and I do this with my clients, like, what are you really announcing? So if there's real news, you know, you've raised money, you've hired, you know, senior staff, you've scored really big clients, anything that can, that you think that if you were reading an industry publication that you'd be like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Or if there's some sort of trend that's going on that you can insert yourself into and pitch Mm -hmm. that way. But just to say, I exist, write about me is, I think the biggest, when people come to me and they say that, it's like, why? Like, I can't pitch you. It's a waste of our, my time. It's a waste of your time and money. And so it's really about educating people how important it is to be able to really nail down what your story is and, and what you're pitching and what that, what that really, what that story is. Yeah. Welcome to the show, I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Lori Benani, who is the founder of Alessis. Lori has a long history of communications. She's actually worked for some of the largest communication companies in the world where they work to launch brands and communicate different messages about brands. So really, really important when you are building a business and building a brand that people understand what it is that you are about. What types of things do you stand for? Lori's an expert in extracting all of that. And we get into some of the frameworks and some of the the tools that she's used over the years with some of the major brands in the world to be able to extract those messages. So really, really interesting conversation today with Lori, where again, we we dive into some of those tips and tricks that she's used over the years to be able to put together that different messaging. So if you're struggling with your branding, if you're struggling with trying to position your company a certain way, this is an episode that you're not going to want to miss. I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. Our dinner table growing up as a child was always dinner on the table. And it was my sister, my mom, and my dad. My dad worked in New York City. And so he'd come home on the train. And yeah, it was the four of us. We'd have dinner. I used to be a really super slow eater. So my mom (laughs) would be like loading the dishwasher while I was still eating. My sister was the same way. She she was the same type of person. So everybody would have dinner, maybe dessert, and I was still eating. Um, <laughs> Is it but still yeah, like no, that today? Was... Are you still a 
Are you still no, because now I have my own kid and I'm like, okay, let's load the dishwasher. Yeah. So we... <laughs> no, yeah, it was, it was definitely like family dinner. Like there was no, nobody ate by themselves or anything. And I just remember, you know, everybody had their own seat, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> what were yeah. some of the favorite, favorite dishes or favorite times? Can, can you remember, does anything stand out? You know, it's in... so funny. I, I don't even, I know like when we used to have like, it would be like Friday pizza nights and I was a super picky eater, not anymore, but my parents love like peppers and onions on pizza, which to this day, I still cannot like stomach and there would always be like a pie and then it would be like two slices for me, you know, or like <laughs> separate, like, <laughs> That's yeah. funny. That's funny. So, so were you, did you have any type of entrepreneurial tendencies when you were growing up at all? Did, did you, were, were no, you selling candy or anything like that? Or I don't think so. It wasn't until I got into corporate and I always worked for big companies, but it was always like the entrepreneurial division. Mm-hmm. So my very first job out of school, I left the United States, I had a work visa and I went over to the UK. So I started working in London and it was a really small publishing company and there may have been 15 people in the office, but Mm -hmm. like super entrepreneurial. And then I came back to the States and my first job happened to be with a company from uh, Europe whose first day in New York City was my first day. So like we went furniture shopping together, like, but it had the backing of a really big company and now it's actually rolled up into Ogilvy, which is a huge agency. Yep, yep. And then I moved on to a company called DDB, which is a worldwide advertising agency, which also is really enormous and has a great footprint. I joined the business development team, which was basically being restarted by my boss who took the role like a month before I got hired. So again, starting from scratch. And then I moved on to NBC, which is obviously an enormous yeah. corporation and the company that I joined had just been acquired. So anybody that works at NBC is called a peacock and we were referred to as like baby peacocks. Okay. So I always had these big companies, but I was definitely in the entrepreneurial space in all of these places. So yeah. I think that's what sort of got it the fueled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so how, how has it been different? And we'll get into where you are today with with your company, but what were some of the things that I guess you learned or sort of primed yourself for? What did you pick up from those other companies that helped you you know, launch into your own into your own company? Definitely being scrappy. <laughs> and what, and what do you mean by scrappy? Like what what is that? Just being able to like make it happen with a lot less resources than you might have wanted and just not getting tripped up over perfection. I am definitely a perfectionist and that that really taught me like getting it done is better. Mm-hmm. But I would say that I think the thing that has really helped guide my entrepreneurial ways, I'm an avid traveler. Not only did I leave the country after college to go work abroad, but uh, in 2012, I took a sabbatical. I left a perfectly good job at NBC to go to South America. Mm-hmm. And travel to me is a real life choose your own adventure. And I don't like being tethered by an itinerary. Yeah. So it really requires creativity, flexibility, curiosity, and an increased tolerance for uncertainty. And so I really think that has influenced my entrepreneurship more than anything. 
Yeah, yeah. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what it is that you do? Obviously, you're a communications expert. What exactly does that mean? You know, wh- how, how do you help people? Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So my pitch is that I build and grow companies' reputations, thereby increasing business results, awareness, and credibility. And you say, what does that even mean? <laughs> and I will tell you that I am like a very non-traditional publicist for companies as early as startups and as established as global 500s. And what does that mean? You know, everyone knows what a publicist is. Well, I kind of think way, way outside the box in terms of building awareness and credibility. And that encompasses strategic communications, crisis communications, mm-hmm. public relations, launches, partnerships, business development advisory services, content creation, thought leadership. So it's in that world and it brings together work I've done in all of my corporate Mm -hmm. as well as things that I've been interested that I hadn't had the opportunity to do in those roles. I don't know if that's still confusing, but no. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 no. That makes a lot of sense. So, so if someone, do you serve any types of specific niches or industries or anything like that, or is it pretty well, you sort of across the board? Across the board in my corporate life, I've worked on everything from toilet paper to Tabasco sauce to, you know, pharma to BDB. But as a consultant, I've really found that I gravitate towards tech, healthcare, food and beverage, education, and travel and tourism. Okay. There's really no industry that's off limits except for... I'd say weapons, yeah. oil, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah, I would say those five industries are, are where I, I have definitely gravitated to as a consultant. Okay. And, and any type of, I guess, uh, level you, you said startups all the way to fortune 500, you know, is there, is there a company that's too small or too big? Would you say just, just trying to qualify if, if someone wants to reach out, trying to qualify, you know, would they be a good fit? Yeah, I would say I offer a one-to-one advisory service, which would be more for like solo business owners like myself. Mm -hmm. I've worked with them, but that's not really my sweet spot. But I have an advisory service that I've launched because I was finding that I was getting a lot of requests. But And it's more of a, I will basically give you an actionable to-do list, Mm -hmm. and then you're off to the races on your own. I've also offered that for very large companies. And then they're like, well, what do we do with this to-do list? And it's yeah. like, hire me. <laughs> you <Yeah>. can hire me. <laughs> so that's how I've gone to that. So it really is, I'm open to anything and there's different options for different budgets. Got it. And so what would be some of the, the first steps, I guess, you know, when you're dealing with a new client, what types of information would they need to, to bring to you or to show to you? You know, say, let's say that it's a startup right? Because that's where a lot of our listeners are on the smaller end of things. So if they're, you know, they're just getting started in business, what what types of things do they need to be able to show you in order to be able to have you start giving that actionable advice or, or you know, next steps or what have you? Well, first I would take them to through my, I have a questionnaire that we can either talk through or they can fill out, but it asks why lots of why questions uh, tell me about your business i'm a big fan of tell me more and let me do with the extra information than tell, mm-hmm. telling me less but i really want to know what motivates them why now 
what are you looking to achieve? What would, what would be your goal and why, you know, how do you think we should get there? And also very much of, you know, have you worked with a consultant before? What was your experience? What kind of results could I achieve for you that you would call me a rock star? Mm -hmm. Lots of different questions to kind of dig, to dig deeper about their business, their why, and what their perceived goals are. Yeah, that's, that's great. Why are you in this? Why did you start your company? Is it, is it, are you just passionate about business or was there, is there something behind that, that, you know, really motivated you? So you're ready for a story. Yes. <laughs> so when I quit my job at NBC to go backpacking in 2012, I knew I was coming back to New York city. And I also knew that my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, we wanted to leave New York. We didn't know where we were going to go. So I had set some things up before I left to know that I was coming back to some freelance work and it was going to be freelance, but also look for a job. Well, I started freelancing and I wound up doing it for like two and a half years because I just loved like the chase of clients. I loved like I had a business development background that was really fun and being able to like pick and choose who I wanted to work with. So I kind of put the job search on a massive hold and we, <laughs> and then I did find a job and I was super excited. We relocated briefly to Atlanta and about 15 months in, they were starting to lay people off. There was a company that was private equity was getting involved and marketing. My team was me and an intern. So I was let go. And while we were in Atlanta, my husband was freelancing and didn't like it. He liked the nine to five. He liked knowing that he had stability. Mm -hmm. Whereas I had the stability and was like, oh, like maybe this is a good thing. So we were in Atlanta and about three weeks before I got laid off, our landlords had told us they weren't going to renew our lease in the okay. townhouse we were renting. Okay. So I was like, okay, so we're basically homeless <laughs> and unemployed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so my mother-in-law was living in the house that my husband grew up in. Unfortunately, my father-in-law had passed away just before we went to Atlanta. So she was still living in a decently sized house. And at the time, my parents were on the West Coast and it wasn't, that wasn't home to me. So we came up to Rochester, New York mm -hmm. in March. So just for some context, March in Atlanta, I was wearing yeah. sundresses and flip-flops. When we drove up to Rochester, we drove through a snowstorm. And I was like, there is no way we're staying here. <laughs> this is so temporary. So we had put our stuff in storage up in Rochester. And I was like, well, why wouldn't we leave it in Atlanta? And my husband's like, but we're not going back to Atlanta. I was like, but but they feel sort of permanent. Like, why are we moving our stuff? And we were here, we got here in March and I had negotiated a, a good severance. So we were here for about two weeks and then we left. My dad was having surgery. So we went out, my parents were in Arizona, spent a couple of weeks with them before the surgery. And then after my dad had surgery, we came back. So I had gotten away from the snow. And when we got back, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? You know? And so I wound up putting a post on Facebook and a woman that I had gone to college with, you know, 20 years before I reached out and said, I, I know somebody I can put you in touch with. And that woman became my first client after mm -hmm. full-time job. And then a couple months later, I wound up doing freelance, full-time freelance with Verizon remotely. So probably eight or nine months in of working at my mother-in-law's dining room table, I said to my husband, like, I think I could live here, but I have to have my own company. I, yeah. 
you know, I want the flexibility to go see my family. That's not like vacation time. And I knew I had already loved working for myself. And my husband, after he put his jaw up off the floor, when I told him I would live here, he was super supportive of it. And um, I actually like it a lot more than I had expected. So it's been a win-win. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's so rewarding when you're able to you know, actually help. You know, you can actually see the results that you're helping create, and you know, you get to actually you know communicate and and you know deal with the people that are actually seeing your work's results. So I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I I also I also uh, so I live in Cleveland or just south of Cleveland in Akron. So I know all about the snow. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> you know this this time of year starts getting kind of ugly where everything starts shifting over and everything's dirty and yeah. and all that. But uh, but spring's right around the corner. So I know so it'll be no. it'll be. And good. we've had some we've had some sunny days a couple of days in a row. So it just feels yep. you know yeah. a little bit better. And summer's yeah. the best here. So exactly exactly. I just need my winter vacations. Yeah, <laughs> haven't happened. Thank to the pandemic <laughs> yeah yeah so so if i was to come to you i, I mean it's, I, I love your background i love everything that you know brought you to the point where you did start your own company and we're actually looking for help on you know, our communication side of things which i think a lot of companies probably are how do i know how do i know when it's time to reach out to some type of a a communications expert are there any I guess telltale signs that I should watch out for that say, you know, yes, it's it, we need somebody to to help us with this. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the biggest one would be I know for me, if there's something that I am not sure of or I don't want to do, it just keeps going farther and farther down my to-do list. Mm-hmm. So I think once that happens, then you know you probably need to reach out to somebody. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. I also think, you know, if you really have no idea in terms of what your strategy is, or if you are trying to reach new people and you're not sure how to do that. But I would say the biggest telltale sign is if it just keeps dropping lower and lower mm-hmm. on your to-do mm-hmm. list. <laughs> and and you, you brought up a great point there. So you're, you're using all types of media, right? I mean, you're, you're using social, you're using, I don't know, online advertising. Do you get into that? I have somebody that I, I, I give that work to, but I okay. can certainly make recommendations. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and so basically you're, you're basically putting together the plan that we would use to communicate, you know, our goals, our initiatives, our needs, wants, whatever out to the public, correct? Yep. Okay. And, and what are some of the, the common mistakes that you see people making when they're trying to do this themselves. Uh, can you can you tell when there's some type of a strategy behind whatever that communication is 
and can you can you pick out some of the the mistakes that people are making you know when they're trying to trying to brand themselves or trying to you know communicate different topics oh. so one of the biggest mistakes that i see that can actually be detrimental to your business is when people reach out to me and say i want to do a press release and i dig why do you want to do a press release what's the news like what really is your news and so many companies think, well, I exist. Mm -hmm. Reporter will write about me, I exist. And that could not be further than the truth because if a reporter wrote, out, wrote about everyone that existed, yeah. you know, there's not really any story. Yeah. So really digging down, and I do this with my clients, like, what are you really announcing? So if there's real news, you know, you've raised money, you've hired, you know, senior staff, you've scored really big clients, anything that can that you think that if you were reading an industry publication that you'd be like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Or if there's some sort of trend that's going on that you can insert yourself into and pitch mm -hmm. that way. But just to say, I exist, write about me is I think the biggest, when people come to me and they say that, it's like, why? Like, yeah, I yeah. can't pitch you. It's a waste of our, my time. It's a waste of your time and money. And so it's really about educating people how important it is to be able to really nail down what your story is and, and what you're pitching and what that, what that really, what that story is. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. So are you, are you actually writing the articles and then that article would get distributed to reporters or how does, how does the, how does the process work? Like, what is it that you create and then where does that go? Sure. So in, in the terms of, you know, and it's not just press releases, but this is yeah. a good example. I would get all the information from a client. I'd write a, a press release and all press releases are not created equal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the biggest piece is researching. Who are your reporters? You're just not going to, you know, spray them with the same thing. And you want to find out, like a lot of my clients are in tech. So mm -hmm. a reporter that covers artificial intelligence is not going to be the same reporter that covers SaaS. So, you know, reporters get hundreds of emails a day. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, you know what? She got the wrong person. Let me just yeah. forward it. You know, yeah. so researching that is is huge. And then setting expectations. Like, I don't know that you'll get into the New York Times, but I can certainly get you in an industry publication. But depending yeah. on your news, you know, maybe the New York Times is the right spot. So really researching and making sure that that is the place. But before you pitch, you have to have you have to know who your reporter is. You have to know why you're pitching them. Mm -hmm. You don't want to send out a pitch that could be sent to 50 people. That sounds exactly the same. It's, yeah. hey, Matt, I saw that you wrote an article about X, Y, and Z. Well, I have to tell you, you know, I am writing you because my company does A, B, and yeah. C, which, you know, and so it is definitely time consuming, but if you do it right, it can certainly pay off. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you do all that research and figure out what the right reporters are to reach out to. And obviously, like you mentioned, you're in techs, you already have probably a database or, uh, you know, at least an understanding of, you know, this person would probably be you know good for that. And yep. or this, this, this industry or this, and you uh, have to keep an eye on that because reporters move around a lot yeah. and just making sure that it's going, you know, if they're still on the same beat at a new publication, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. I, I, people, I find it tedious. I find it fun. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. I, you gotta enjoy what you're doing, right? Yeah. So what are some of the other strategies that you use? I mean, is press, is press or are press releases still a big part of 
what works today. And really? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Oh, well, I was just going to say is, and are there other things that you do that, that you also have a big impact? Yes. So I think that that is one piece of the pie mm -hmm. and that might not always be the right thing. So it's really thinking about what a client's goals are mm -hmm. and understanding what they are looking to achieve out of that. So if they say, I need a press release, I'm really going to push, why do you think you need a press yeah. release? Like, is there another way we can do this? And so, you know, for example, I had a client pre-pandemic, a food company, and we were doing a lot of sampling events right before the pandemic. I had hired a chef and we were going to really go all out. But pre-pandemic, you know, we got their product on some menus of some local restaurants. We got a cocktail made with our product. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't working with the, the brand team. I was actually working with the manufacturer side. The, okay. the, so they wanted it to be very much a local product. Our people live, work, and play here. You know, what can we do? So, you know, we got a press release around the first cocktail, but does it make sense for the second and third and fourth? No, yeah, no, right. it doesn't. <laughs> and so having that comprehensive communication strategy is really key and just making sure there's a message consistency around it, mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily always mean a press release. So when people think PR, it's always like, oh, press releases. Like, yeah. and I really, and I think my clients appreciate this. I really push back on that. Like, wh why can we do a partnership? Is there some sort of trade? Is there some sort of, you know, launch activity we could do? Is there thought leadership pieces that we could write around mm -hmm. that? Is there something? So I think of it as, you know, a really pie with tons and tons of slices and some of those could be used and make sense and some of them not so much, yeah. depending on what the ultimate goal is. And, and that's why when a client's like, well, how much do you charge? And it's like, well, everything I propose is custom for that need. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's, so what are some of the other services then that, that you could get into as well, you know, around, I mean, it, it sounds like you're, you're, you're helping sort of on the operation side of things, but then also on the branding side of things in, in other cases, would you agree with that? Branding a little bit isn't, it's not totally my, my, what do we say? Sandbox. Forte, yeah. 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 <laughs> But I definitely think in terms of, I'm a word nerd, so I'm a yeah. writer and being able to write about thought leadership, you know, th thought leadership pieces, being able to, you know, do the research again and for business development, helping that. And like I said, I have that one-to-one -one advisory, which sort of gives that roadmap to people who want to potentially do it themselves or yeah. potentially hire me to execute it. But yeah, I would say it's a big communications umbrella. And, you know, I've had some clients that have been like, well, I like that you don't know my industry. So yeah. I want you, you know, Verizon, for example, was like, we need a strong marketer, but we don't want anybody that has telecom experience. Interesting. So we're going to hire you. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's great because you're coming from a completely blank slate in terms of the industry. So, and that um, doesn't scare you coming into something that you're not necessarily familiar with. No, that's, I love it. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Excellent. <laughs> and well, that ties back to the travel piece, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know exactly. Yeah, having uh, having the explore the unknown and and all of that. No, I love it. I love it. So, Lori, if people want to learn more about you, your services, your company, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? 
Sure. You can visit my website, which is elsus, www.elsus.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Lori Sasselbanani, or you could find Elsus on LinkedIn as well. I love it. Lori, thank you for being on the show. And uh, I think that there's there's going to be a lot of, a lot of f- further conversations with you because uh, this is something that a lot of companies need. We need it. So there's a, there's a lot here that we can discuss. So I certainly appreciate it. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.